Jacob deGrom threw his first live bullpen of the spring and looks like he has turned a corner and is going to be ready for opening day. We're going to get into what all that means, what the next steps are for him, and some more updates on some injured Rangers pitchers. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all four seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Subscribe on YouTube where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment any single thing below. Before we get into to get today's DeGrom bullpen and his update about where he's at, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Now, the big news of the day, Wednesday, I am recording this a little bit later in the day because I wanted to get this update in as soon as I had some good information. But Jacob deGrom has thrown his first live BP of the spring. He faced some Rangers hitters. He threw to Jonah Heim, and he looked absolutely fantastic. This was his most intense bullpen session to date, and he felt really, really good about it. He threw 35 pitches in two innings of live BP. He was sitting 98 to 99 and even touched triple digits in the end, the last pitch of the first inning of his simulated uh, BP. His changeup at 90 miles an hour, said he felt really good about all of his pitches. So earlier when he was starting off throwing his bullpens, he was throwing about 75% effort, was really just throwing fastballs. Now he's mixing in his changeup, his slider, his curveball, and says he feels good about all of them. And, you know, Jonah Hyman had some really high praise for Jacob DeGrom. He called it special, um, and he was one of the five hitters to face him. Um, I Actually, maybe he wasn't the one to catch him. Maybe maybe it was Mitch Garver that caught him. I have not seen any update on that. I thought it was um, I thought it was was Jonah Heim who was catching him, but I guess he was hitting against him as well. But he said his fastball is just different. There's a, a reason that we assigned him, and he said that's the only way that he could describe it. You know, he said if I had ha- have swung at the first two pitches, uh, I feel like I would have been six hours late on them both. It's really hard to put into words how to describe it. It's just different, and man. That's what the Rangers thought they were getting. It seems like that is the guy they are getting. So we are going to give an update on the DEFGROM rankings. We are at DEFGROM 5, the most calm, the most chill, the most normal of all the DEFGROM rankings. Uh, Everything is good. Everything is wonderful. And it feels like, you know, we might see him in a game fairly soon. Bochi guessed there might be time to get about three games in between the end of now or between now and the end of spring training that would probably put him throwing around somewhere between 60 and 70 pitches by the end of those three games and he said that it is possible quote possible that the next step is pitching in a game so we don't know exactly what that is going to look like so let's just go ahead and speculate wildly um because why not that's is the podcast that is what we do um so i'm thinking that we're going to go on the basis of every you know fifth day like you would normally do as a pitcher. So today is, what, Wednesday, March 8th? So on the fifth day from now, that would be Monday uh, the 13th against the Diamondbacks. That is when I think is possible for we're going on this every fifth day thing. So maybe 
maybe it's just a, a few days or maybe it's every six days. Maybe it's once a week. I'm not exactly sure what we're going with um, at this point. I'm thinking every fifth day, that is what I'm feeling because that is what kind of lines up. So Monday the 13th, kind of mark your calendars. I, it, I'm it i noticing that that game is only going to be on MLB.com radio broadcast. And I'm sure if DeGrom is going to be pitching his first game for the Rangers, I'm sure some things might change. Some things might open up. I'm looking at just for these games throughout that next week. And I'm not seeing any games that is televised uh, next week, um, the 12th through the 18th, which is uh, kind of annoying. Um, and I'm not seeing a whole lot more uh, televised games really from, okay, we have the 20th, Monday, the 20th against the Guardians. I don't think that is going to be the game that he is going to be pitching. If we're going to go through past that, we're going to have the uh, 18th, which would be a Saturday at the Angels. Um, then five days past that would be a uh, Thursday versus the A's. That game is going to be televised the 23rd uh, of March, Thursday against the A's, exactly one week before opening day. I would reckon that that would be probably the last game that he pitches. It's weird that they're not doing any of these middle games. I'm sure that something will be done. Someone will put a camera. If Jacob deGrom is on the mound for the first time in a Texas Rangers uniform in a game, even if it's spring training, I feel very confident that somebody is going to put a television camera on there and show it to the rest of the world. But I'm excited. I am really excited about Jacob deGrom. I have been since the day that the Rangers signed him. He is clearly special and different and exactly what the Rangers need. And uh, yeah, and you know, he was throwing 99. And you know who else thinks that Jacob deGrom is, is 99? That's MLB The Show. They rated him 99 overall, one of five different players to receive a perfect rating in MLB The Show. He is the only player who is a pitcher only Shohei Otani is one of the other ones so technically he is also a pitcher who is rated 99 overall but that list of 99 players includes Shohei, Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, Paul Goldschmidt, and Jacob DeGrom. That is five. They think that he is the best sole pitcher in the league and uh, just as a little fun little knife in the heart of uh, Mets fans who were so happy to be rid of him. Justin Verlander is a 98 just just a fun little fact there. I just, just thought I'd throw it out there in case anybody cares. Not not that anybody cares, not that it matters, and I hope everybody is great on their new teams, and the Mets are very happy with uh, Justin Verlander, who is no longer on the Astros. That is the important part. That is the most important part of Justin Verlander signing with the Mets. It's not what it does for the Mets. It's that he is off the Astros, and the Rangers don't have to deal with him anymore. But that is a fun little fact, a fun little thing. I mean, MLB The Show's ratings aren't always uh, the most accurate, I would say. I feel like they do a decent job. It's really hard to do that. I'm always curious how they come up with that. I wonder if they like have like a scouting team on there, or maybe they just like kind of pull internally some uh, some major league scouts who are scouting major leaguers and rating how good they are, or just like hire a bunch of ex scouts to kind of do that. I, I think that would be really interesting. Um, or maybe they're using a bunch of different whatever they're using doesn't matter. Jacob Degrom is one of the best pitchers in baseball, and I'm glad that MLB the show realized it as well. And I am just so excited that he is progressing like he is. I mean, it's about time. I am so ready, so anxious to see him get on the hill in a Rangers uniform and just absolutely throw gas, blow guys away, and look absolutely incredible. I am just so freaking ready for it during spring training. I'm ready for it for opening day. I can pause and wait for it. And it seems like, you know, his last, I'm not sure if, if that, 
60 to 75 pitches mark is going to be where he is at in that third spring training game, which would probably be somewhere around a week before his first start. And if that means that he'd be somewhere around like the 80 pitch mark, or if he's going to be at like 60 to 75 pitches for his first start in the regular season for the Rangers, if it's only 60 pitches, then I'm honestly going to be a little bit bummed. Um, But I'm, it's still going to be 60 of the best pitches that any Ranger has thrown in the last maybe ever. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun, but I'm hoping that he can be more closer to the 75 or maybe even 80 pitch mark when he takes the hill for the first time in a Rangers uniform in a regular season game. Coming up, we're going to get into some more health updates, including one about Josh Young, who passed an important milestone uh, randomly throughout this week. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. It's the midway of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, and super easy to use as well. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes strain. If you want to bet on the Dallas Mavericks and uh, Kyrie and Luka throwing up a bunch of buckets and scoring a whole bunch of points and uh, maybe or maybe not getting the win, you can go ahead and do that because FanDuel, they let you even combine bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay so don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more with fanduel an official sports betting partner of the nba now let's take a look at some of these health updates the rangers have had a bunch of little ticky-tack, knick-knack, paddywhack injuries that have uh, knocked a few guys out for a couple days, and so keeping track of them in spring training is a little bit of a uh, difficult task, but I'm here. I'm here for you, so you don't have to follow every single tweet from every single beat writer and read every single article they are pushing out, because there is so much content going out. You just have to come to me. I got your back. I read a lot so that you don't have to. Josh Young is healthy. That is the update. He has not been hurt. Um, That is not part of the... um, the big update of all these guys, but it is something that I think is important and something that we should, you know, not take for granted. I I think that it is really an underrated big part of this spring training because at 17 in his 17th plate appearance of the spring, which I believe happened on Monday. I think Evan Grant was the one who wrote about that. But once he hit that 17 plate appearance mark in spring training this year, that had surpassed what he had done in all of his previous spring trainings combined because spring training has not been kind to Josh Young as a minor leaguer. Last year, he had the shoulder injury that he sustained right when he got to Arizona within the first week before the lockout was even done. He was there and, you know, doing his doing his due diligence and, you know, getting out there, getting ready, putting in the work. And he had the shoulder injury that kept him out until the end of July. Thought was going to be keep him out for the rest of the year. Um, in spring training the year before, he broke his foot. That delayed his season until the start of March. And, you know, now he's healthy. He is heading into the season, worked a lot on his defense. He had a play where he was diving across uh, towards that injured shoulder, his non-throwing shoulder. And he made the play, scooped it up and made the throw and, realized, oh, oh, that was my surgically repaired shoulder. Wow, I feel pretty good about that. That doesn't 
worry about you know hurting it we did see a play like that Brendan Rodgers who is a second baseman for the Colorado Rockies had a pretty bad injury I don't know if it's going to keep him out for the year it's going to keep him out for quite a while that he sustained against the Rangers making a play kind of like that I don't think that he has a surgically repaired shoulder but I mean I think it seems like now he will because that was um, the play that hurt him in that game. And Josh Young was like, oh, well, now I kind of feel like myself. The defense has been much improved. Last year, I was a little concerned with his defense. I mean, he's he's never going to be Adrian Beltre defensively, and that's fine. Just put that out of your head, and that's okay. That is great. That is fine, and don't expect him to be that. But offensively, that is where his value comes from. He has looked really great at the plate, had his first home run of the spring. I believe it was on Monday. And he is looking like himself at the plate. A lot of these projections are not super accurate on Josh Young, um, be it from fan graphs or from baseball reference especially, is like, I don't know what the deal is with this projection, but it is, it, they give it a 30% reliability. Um, they have him projected for only 251 plate appearances, which that alone is like red flag. He's going to be the opening day starting third baseman. He's going to be a big part of this offense, a big part of this team, and that is just not going to happen. They have him hitting 238 with an on base of 292 and slugging 409, a 701 OPS. And I just, I don't think that's accurate. I don't think that's who he is. I've seen a lot of this kid since he was a freshman at Texas Tech. I've seen him, and I know the kind of hitter he is, and he's not a guy who's going to have a sub-300 on base percentage for a full year of the big leagues. I just don't see that happening. Fangraphs is pretty similar. They have his batting average being up at 241, but they have his on base at 295. They have him slugging uh, 427, so I think that is... Uh, somewhere around a 722-ish OPS, if the math off my head is uh, correct. So about like 20 points higher than what uh, what baseball reference has to say about it. But this is a great hitter, a guy who is a complete hitter. That is why the Rangers drafted him. And if he can be better, just be fine defensively at third base, which is all the Rangers really need him to be. I had some thoughts about maybe putting Ezekiel Duran there at third base. His offensive ceiling is not what Josh Young's is, but defensively he's got a cannon for an arm, which Young's arm last year was really kind of not great. It seems like it's been a little bit better this year. The shoulder injury, again, like I said, was on his non-throwing shoulder, so that wasn't something that was affecting his throwing. Seems like it's been a little bit better, a little bit more accurate, a little bit stronger this year. He's not going to have the, you know, cannon of an arm that some third baseman had, like uh, well, Joey Gallo back when he was a, a third baseman, or, you know, Manny Machado, but, you know, it's solid. It's enough to do the job, and offensively, he is going to more than carry his weight there as one of the I think going to be a pretty decent part of this Rangers lineup in the middle third of that order. And I think he, like like Mitch Garver, both those guys offensively, I think are going to be two really key pieces to how well this offense stacks up with the best in the American League West. And I think that he is going to play a big, big part of that. Just having him healthy, having him be a part of this team. I mean, he probably could have been up in the big leagues at some point in 2021. I feel very confident in saying that if he had been healthy that year, might have gotten a cup cup of coffee at the end of that year. And I think would have been the opening day third baseman last year, if not for that shoulder injury. We got to see him for a little bit in the big leagues. It was not his best showing. It didn't. It looked out of character for the the numbers that he was putting up with the really incredibly low walk rate. It took him forever to get his first walk. And there are a few different plate appearances where he probably could have had his first walk that calls just didn't go his way. 
but he was pushing a little bit. I mean, he was pushing really hard to get to the big leagues. He did homer in his first at-bat, and that was a really incredible moment, something that he said he wanted to do from the time that he was a kid. He's like, I want to get to the big leagues, and I want to homer my first at-bat. Well, congratulations. You freaking did it. Now, the rest of his time at the big leagues wasn't the most impressive, but he held his own. He had a 654 OPS in those 102 plate appearances. Looked like a big leaguer. I think he still technically has his rookie eligibility. I think it's 100 or 150 plate appearances. He is at one or uh, at bats. He is at 98 at bats, 102 plate appearances, and so he is right on the cusp. That's why I didn't include him in my. Um, I don't think I included him in my top Rangers prospect rankings. Maybe I, maybe I did. Actually, I think I did. Um, but anyway, he is right on that cutoff. Will have rookie eligibility. Could be in that rookie of the year race this year. And I am really, really excited to see what he can do with an everyday spot and being a big part of this Rangers team. And the fact that he's just healthy heading into the year in spring training. If he can just get him through the end of spring training, that was really my goal for Josh Young. It's like, I don't care what his numbers look like. I don't care what what he looks like really at all just get him through healthy no big months long injury sustained but there are a few guys who are coming back from some injuries john gray is back as of wednesday finished his outing went three scoreless innings um looked pretty good had a strikeout one hit no walks in his three innings of shutout work in this wednesday game good to see him back on the hill he missed his last start due to some neck tightness threw a bullpen on sunday and they're like all right you're back Felt good and put him back out there. Jose Leclerc is back and pitching after neck stiffness caused him to miss the World Baseball Classic. Sam Huff is back in the lineup. Um, I didn't see any really update. I just saw him. <laughs> he was in the lineup. Like, all right, cool. He had that shoulder stiffness, so I'm still not sure how 100% he is, but he's playing, so I'm thinking he's pretty pretty much 100%. I still don't think that he's going to necessarily make the opening day roster. Um, but another guy who I am more certain is is I guess also in question that I was more certain was going to make the opening day roster that I'm now not as certain is Jake Odorizzi. He might not be ready for opening day. He has got some arm fatigue. He is still throwing bullpens. He is throwing, I believe, a light bullpen today, but it seems like he might not be quite ready for opening day. We are um, 22 days away from opening day. There are 16 days with spring training games left in them. So that is why I think Bochy said they thought they could get about three uh, spring training games in for Jacob deGrom, and I think that sounds about right. Again, we don't know when those games are going to be, how much he's going to pitch and whatever, but um, we'll see. But Jacob Rizzi has had some arm fatigue, um, and they are still working him back slowly. What happens with him... I'm not entirely sure they're planning on having him as a multi-inning reliever on the opening day roster, but it seems like that might not be happening. Speaking of that opening day roster, on Friday's show, I will be doing version two of my opening day roster projection. I'll have to factor in some of these injuries and some of these signings like the Will Smith signing and Mark Mathias being gone. By the way, Mark Mathias has been set to the Pittsburgh Pirates for a player to be named later. He was DFA'd on Saturday when the Rangers signed Will Smith, talked about Will Smith and about Mark Mathias in yesterday, Tuesday's episode. Um, So go check that out if you want more on that. Um, Nate Eovaldi is still not throwing as of Monday. I have not seen any update of him starting to throw, but don't worry about him being too far behind schedule. He came into camp extra ready because he thought he was going to pitch in the World Baseball Classic. But alas, that is not happening because of a weird insurance situation that uh, also 
uh, Clayton Kershaw, I believe, ran into, just trying to find their own insurance because Major League Baseball insurance doesn't cover it. I don't know. I'm kind of very confused by the whole situation of insurance in baseball about what they cover and, and all that nonsense because I'm sure it's very, very complicated. And the fact that the World Baseball Classic is basically put on by it, it is put on by Major League Baseball and the Players Association, who both want this to happen. I'm really confused as to why so many guys' insurance doesn't cover that, and it's not like it's a new thing. It's been happening for a while, and it was pretty obvious that everyone was going to want to participate in it, and I just I don't know what the whole deal is with that. But anyway, the point is, don't worry about him being too far behind schedule. He came in extra ready to pitch in that World Baseball Classic, so him having a few days off is not setting him back too far. But again, the Rangers have been fairly cautious with all of their guys. The only pitchers that I'm fairly certain are going to be like 100% ready to go full tilt from opening day. It seems like it seems like John Gray is probably going to be fully ready. Uh, Martin Perez, who is, I'm sure, soon heading to the World Baseball Classic. He pitched on Saturday and looked pretty good in that outing. He's had two starts in the spring, allowing one run in both of those, going three innings in both of those outings. I think he's going to be fully ready for opening day, which he was not last year um, because he had that injury and, you know, Took him a little while to get ready in spring training, but looks like he's going to be fully ready. Hopefully going to pitch and be amazing for Venezuela in the World Baseball Classic. Hopefully they don't go too far so he can come back to camp and get to work on uh, getting acclimated with those new rule changes, which I think is probably a very, very important part of the spring training, almost even more so than just getting these guys ready. But Andrew Heaney has had no setbacks at all. So I'm thinking, and he's not going to the World Baseball Classic for Team USA or for Team anybody for that matter. And it's nice to have at least one guy where there's in the starting rotation where it's like, okay, that guy's going to be fine. He's going to be ready. And it's funny, funnily enough, the guy who I was most concerned about all of his injury red flags, of course, it's Andrew Heaney. Um, but one guy who we did get a little bit more of an update on, who is not a starting pitcher, who I thought was going to be on the opening day roster, and now it's kind of questionable, is Leody Tavares. I talked extensively about his injury on Monday, who that might open up spots for, a lot about Evan Carter, who is still very, very impressive in camp for everybody, still in camp at the big league level, and getting some games in and facing big leaguers, and unsurprisingly is not at all uh, scared, because that's him. He is not scared to face advanced competition. That is what he has done for his entire career. But Leody, it seems like it'll take a couple weeks probably for him to get back on the field. I believe it was Bruce Bochy who gave that most recent update. And so, yeah, if you want to know more about what the the center field situation is going to be, go check out that Monday episode. It was a very, very good episode. Um, uh, so, Go, you should go check it out anyway. And if you already listened to it, then maybe go listen to it again. I don't know uh, if you want, but yeah, that is kind of where that stands. I think that is going to throw a whole monkey wrench into everything if Leody is not ready for opening day. We got to see some good outings out of Bubba Thompson, who homered in a game this week after or while playing center field. That was really encouraging. There was also another game where Corey Seeger homered as well. I think it was uh, yesterday. Tuesday's game where the Rangers just kind of went buck wild offensively, got an opposite field home run from Corey Seager, about a Thompson home run and that Josh Young home run as well. Cole Wynn worked a couple of innings, only had one walk in two innings of work, which was the main thing that I'm watching for from him. Got to see a little bit of Josh Spores get roughed up, and I think that the Rangers really, really like Spores. He's out of minor league options. I still have no idea what to make of Josh Spores. I'm really going to have to reconsider if he is going to make this opening day roster and including him, I did not include him on my most recent 
I think it was Tuesday when I talked about the bullpen, what it looks like with the addition of Will Smith. Uh, but Mike Maddox, there was a, a nice article that Evan Grant wrote for the Dallas Morning News uh, yesterday, Tuesday, I believe, about Mike Maddox doing a really, really weird bullpen with him, uh, Josh Spores, that is, and, and kind of gaining his trust and just a little insight into the coaching style of uh, Mike Maddox and how he is able to kind of gain the trust trust of these players what makes him so effective and I thought that was really really interesting I mean but the whole deal with Josh Bores because the Rangers um, he's just such a peculiar guy his stuff is really really good raw stuff is off the charts the spin rate on the fastball velocity all that stuff is really really good but he is kind of the equivalent of a three true outcome player as a pitcher which as a hitter I mean a lot of more old school guys don't love outcome three true outcome players i think they have a lot of value especially if you can kind of find the right balance of getting a lot of walks and home runs that the strikeouts don't really matter but when you're a pitcher two of those three outcomes are bad two of those three outcomes are very bad and only one of them is good when you're a hitter a walk and a home run are both very good so uh yeah that is more okay to be that kind of a hitter than a pitcher, which is basically just what it comes out to be. And Spores last year was just really, really rough. He's a former second-round pick by the Dodgers out of uh, UVA. And um, that kind of shows you that, oh, this guy has really got some potential. Only pitched a little bit in the big leagues with the Dodgers. Um, nine innings his first year in the big leagues with an 8 ERA, a 208 ERA in his second big league uh, season with the Dodgers. In 2021, he was a lot more solid for the Rangers. 69 strikeouts in 59 innings, a 3.97 ERA, allowed 4.9 walks per nine, 1.1 home runs per nine. He had over two dingers per nine as a pitcher with the Dodgers in those two short seasons. Last year with the Rangers was a bit of a rougher story. A 6.45 ERA in 19 games, 22 in a third innings. Did still have a really nice strikeouts per nine. His career best, actually, 12.9 Ks per nine, but 1.6 homers per nine, 10.1 walks per nine, a whip of 1.612, which is just not what you're looking for for a reliever. So that's why there is a conundrum with this guy. Just being able to throw pitches where he wants to in the zone, be consistent, and not just leave some hanging meatballs to get absolutely crushed. Working on low fastballs is one of the things that Mike Maddox was has been working with him and just being more consistent when he's in the zone. Um, just being able to find that control is something that I, I hope this guy can do. I think he's going to be a part of this pen, and I would like to figure out what Josh Bores is uh, or isn't, just one way or the other. I'm excited about his potential. I've seen some outings where he's looked really good, seen some outings where he's looked really bad, seen probably more of those, especially last year. But there's a guy who I, I think could play an important role in this pen, is not going to be one of the highest leverage guys this year, unless he starts figuring out how to stop walking guys so much and stop leaving the ball up and getting smacked out of the yard. That would be a very helpful thing to maybe one day. His stuff kind of indicates that he could be a back-end reliever type of guy. But the consistency, I mean, you can have all the stuff of the world, but if you don't have the consistency with it and the ability to throw it where you want to, or at least mostly where you want to, it doesn't have to be pinpoint Jacob deGrom level precision with Jacob deGrom level stuff. It's just like kind of get more of an idea of what you want to do with it and be able to execute it more often. Otherwise, 
that there's not really a place for him in this bullpen. And I think there are a lot of guys that are right on the verge that could end up playing a role in this bullpen this year. Mark Church is one, hasn't had the best spring, but has had some decent outings. I'm excited for Taylor Hearn. Um, maybe Yuri Rodriguez plays a little bit of a role. Chase Lee is a guy who I'm really excited about. I don't know if necessarily he is going to uh, make the team out of camp, but eventually I think that that is a guy with a lot of potential that is someone you want to keep an eye on. And Lucas, Lucas Jacobson, the big, tall lefty with a fastball that hits up to 97 miles an hour and a true splitter, which is a very rare pitch for guys to have these days, but he has it and it's really darn good. He has been getting more of a look at the big league camp than I initially thought that he would. Also, the Rangers signed Will Smith. Plus, they had the few guys that were effective last year in Brock Burke, Taylor Hearn. Also, the two righties that can go multiple innings in uh, Jose Leclerc and Jonathan Hernandez. That's the thing that I that I am most excited about this Rangers bullpen is that the Rangers, four guys who I think would be the most high leverage are those four that I just named. Taylor Hearn, Brock Burke. Um, maybe maybe Hearn's probably number four on this list, but he's still going to be a high leverage guy, but also Jonathan Hernandez and Jose Leclerc. And all of those guys, the thing about them that I love is that they can go multiple innings if you need them. They can go, I'd say, up to three innings, at least with Brock Burke and Hearn, I think, as well. We've seen him go for some longer bullpen outings and still have that nasty, nasty stuff. Unfortunately, his stuff wasn't quite as nasty when he got into the starting rotation. I'm kind of bummed that it didn't work out with uh, with Taylor Hearn as a starter. But what we saw from him in the pen, I think people are forgetting how effective he was as a reliever. Those numbers are really hard to fix and get the right side of when you have um, such bad numbers, to be frank, as a starter. It kind of really tanks your whole ERA and all of your strikeouts per nine and, and all of the, you know, the things that you like to check for a reliever. And it kind of throws out the context there because so much of your time is spent as being a subpar starter that when you have really good numbers as a reliever, it kind of skews all of those. But having all of those, your top four guys, being able to go multiple innings in situations when you need them, I think that is going to be a huge, huge plus for the Rangers. I don't know how much Will Smith can do that, and I don't know how much some of the other guys, like um, like we just said, Josh Spores, is going to be able to do that. I think we've had a few outings of him doing that and going multiple innings. But having guys who have that ability to go multiple innings when you need them and having, you know, four of them so that if you use a couple of them in uh, multiple days or you use one of them to go like three innings, then you have a lot more of that reliability. And they're guys you can trust against righties and lefties. That's what I really, really like about this pen. And I think is something that Bruce Bochy is probably going to like about his pen. He is very particular about he uses, how he uses his bullpen and is one of the things that he does the best, especially in the postseason and one of the hallmarks of a great, great manager. So I'm excited about these weapons that the Rangers are giving, getting in their pen. Mostly excited, um, cautiously optimistic about these health updates, especially about Jacob deGrom. I just cannot wait to see him on the hill in a real game opening day where he is going to be starting for your freaking Texas Rangers and looking absolutely amazing while doing it and making hitters look absolutely atrocious. But that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Rangers. Thank you all so much for making Locked on Rangers your first listen. For your second listen, go check out Locked on Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked on Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'll be back tomorrow. I'm recording actually about an hour after I put this out with Locked on Angels we're doing a crossover there, talking to the Super Halo Bros. A lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun. And then be back on Friday with the final opening day 
roster projection. But thank you all so much for listening and subscribing. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy baseball.